It's the day after end of season media availability. We got a lot of content to get through, not only just this week, but over the course of the offseason. We start today with LaMelo Ball's comments on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Download the Game Time app, by the way. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. This episode is brought to you by Game Time, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We appreciate you hopping on with us. Make sure you read all of the comments from end of season media availability yesterday on Doug Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. We also um, talked about that yesterday on WFNZ from 12 to 3, Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. It's all about LaMelo today, the star. What everybody wants to do is listen to LaMelo at the end of the season, especially with him only playing 36 games. He didn't play that much. Steve Clifford talked about how he thought he took a big step defensively. And so other people kind of talked about LaMelo and then LaMelo went up there. I believe one, it was late in the process. And then he spoke about his season. And so Doug, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, man. Where do you want to start with this comment on if he wants to stay in Charlotte, because at least on social media, that was the video clip circulating the most with people trying to dissect exactly what he meant with what was a very vague statement on the process. Yeah, he essentially said he likes it in Charlotte. I don't mm. think he said he loved it in Charlotte, so we can pick that apart. He oh, said he yeah. likes it in Go Charlotte. Ahead. That's a big difference, huge difference, yeah. But I will say that unlike several players and the coach who said explicitly they would enjoy staying, remaining in Charlotte, LaMelo did not explicitly say he wanted to remain in Charlotte. He said he can't tell the future, essentially, that we'll just kind of see how it goes. So look, LaMelo doesn't say a lot, uh, even, even within the context of these exit interviews. Uh, there have been some you know, more extensive profiles, I think. When, when you get an opportunity probably to hang out with him for an extended period of time, you can get him to open up a little bit more. But during these media interviews, we, we just don't get a lot from LaMelo. Um, he's, he's not terribly introspective. He's a little bit guarded during all of these interviews. And so it's left to player, other players, teammates, coaches – to really set the narrative for him. Uh, but look, we can say definitively that he did not say he explicitly that he wanted to remain in Charlotte, that, that we would have to see on the future. And I think that's fair. Like he's a, he's a player with star potential. I, I think he would want to keep all of his options open. And I've said this from the beginning, Walker, that the clock was ticking when they drafted LaMelo and he came out and showed that he could actually shoot and that he had superstar potential in the league. I said the mm -hmm. clock was ticking. It's on this Hornets organization to start now building around this player, putting assets around him that can get him to the playoffs and convince him that this was a team that he could stay with long-term and have championship aspirations. That's how Milwaukee got Giannis to sign the contract. That's how Charlotte can get LaMelo. Uh, but, you know, I said the clock was ticking a couple of seasons ago. It's, it's really ticking now. Well, yeah, and just to be clear, he did say he loves it out here. I just want to get the L words oh. right. He right. did That's say so play fair. it by it's the fair. day. 
like I said, I love it out here. He did. Well, it's a key thing. We need to make sure. Do you like it or do you love it? Love it means you might stay long term. Like it means you were OK while you were here and now you're ready to get up out of now, here. What does it mean LA. if he wants some more of it? Mm-hmm. I mean, he can try really hard, but he can't win a championship without the Charlotte Hornets help. So we'll see what happens. Here's the exact quote. Right. When LaMelo okay. was asked about his future in Charlotte, he said, play it by the day. Like I said, I love it out here. I can't really tell the future. Just see how it goes and go okay. from there. He also said the main thing is winning. Life is better when you win. So I think a couple things. I think part of this is outside of all the other comments, you talked about the write-ups over the past couple of seasons, whether it be GQ, whether it, I, you know, I forget all the different write-ups. Kelly Eco had one, a part of The Athletic. So there are a bunch of different columns about him. And LaMelo all the time says how much he does really like it, love it, whatever. He has talked about positive feelings, all-encompassing around the city of Charlotte. This was the first time where he gave you any inkling as to the contrary of not wanting wholeheartedly to be back here. And so it's not even that. Like, this this is... It's notable. I also don't want to make it the biggest deal in the world because this is also somebody in LaMelo who I, I don't know how much he really wanted to come out here with some kind of cognitive way of expressing to you that, hey, I'm going to go away. I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to move on to a different city. And all I view this is as maybe advice from people trying to put on pressure of the of the Hornets organization to make the right moves, which is totally fine. Like all, all of this is fine. So I, I didn't have any problem with this answer. I don't know if anybody had a problem with it, but with me, I, I don't, I don't know if I view this as a wholehearted decision that he wants to leave. I think there's pressure on the Hornets organization. That's been true for a while. Okay. Like that, that, that is the task at hand when you draft a star. It's, it's what it is with Dallas. It, it name one, name one especially in the small market area, if you have not had one in a long time, that is the task at hand. It is a responsibility that you have now to try to make sure you maximize that potential. Now, everybody's laughing at Dallas for the gross tanking that just took place at the end of their season. Charlotte is trying to get to a place where they are battling for a play in and beyond. At least they have a Western Conference Finals appearance. So this comment to me, yes, noteworthy. It's not damning, if you ask me. Well, I hope he does continue to put pressure on this organization. He should put pressure on this organization. This mm. this organization needs to be put under pressure to spend the money to go out and be aggressive and find the players necessary to get into the playoffs. I mean, it's embarrassing how long it's been since they've been in a playoff series. It's even more embarrassing how long it's been since they've won a playoff series. So this organization absolutely needs to be put under pressure. And I think LaMelo is being savvy here and that he's not doing the thing that's going to cause like a rift. He's not doing the thing that's going to cause, you know, major headlines, but he's slightly insinuating that. And I don't even think this is about the first extension contract because I think it's a no brainer that he's going to sign that because this team can offer him, you know, now with the CBA, even more significantly more money than any other organization on this first contract. So I don't think. You know, I think this is all about laying the groundwork for that second deal. And, you know, if 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 that second de- if by that second deal this team is not anywhere near championship or, you know, Eastern Conference Finals contenders, then then I think he has every right to go and explore options because look, at the end of the day it's about legacy, at the end of the day it's about, you know, how am I going to be viewed amongst my peers? LaMelo has the talent to be viewed among the the, the great NBA players. He has all the potential in the world. But that, but 
you know, some of that, a lot of that potential is within his control. And then some of that potential is, you know, based on how the team puts a roster together such that you can get that player uh, into prime time. So I, I, again, I like what he said here. I like how he's sort of get, getting in the middle between like not causing drama and at the same time saying, hey, you know, <laughs> winning's super important and, and I don't yeah. love to lose. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not surprised about anything he said here. There, there wasn't anything shocking, right? I mean, LaMelo, when he says something, then, okay, you're going to have to pay attention to it. But I don't think anything was shocking. Totally fair, everything that he said within that one snippet of, you know, how much he likes it here in Charlotte, what he plans to do. Once you do have that decision to make about the contract and and even especially with his style of play, with with how talented he is, I should say, those players have asked for a trade before. So they'll get their money and then they'll move on after that. And so that that makes LaMelo's situation a little different compared to everybody else's. All right, and, let's continue to talk. Yeah. Go ahead. No, well, I was just kind of going to tease into the next segment, too, because we you, this could be a different scenario. We could have be having a different conversation here if LaMelo and Clifford didn't see eye to eye. Because then you're getting into a Trey Young Nate McMillan type of situation where it, it it is a lot of drama. And I think their relationship and being able to navigate it so quickly because Clifford was hired so late in the process has it really gets us to this point where LaMelo is putting some vague pressure instead of, you know, being super frustrated with how the year went. Yeah. All right. Let's get more comments from Steve Clifford on LaMelo coming up next locked on Hornets. Talked about some of the things that LaMelo did improve on this past season. We'll talk about some of the things he needs to continue to improve on this offseason. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. It's the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, even concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat too before you buy, so you know exactly what to do when and uh, you ex- well, excuse me know exactly what you're going to get and when you can expect what you uh, when you arrive you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and then you're set tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code Locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. More Locked on Hornets coming up next. Is Locked on Hornets. Are we sure that like everyone interprets a handful as five? I, I think, think so. so. Honestly, I would I'm, say a handful is normally five, but I would agree. four is acceptable. What's the whole five <laughs> things in my hand? Look, one, this is a pen, a book. I got okay. a phone. Yeah, you're, you guys are actually right. It's getting pretty full. Yeah, There's a cable. Okay, that's five. That's five. Here's a coffee cup. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Uh, So, Walker, you were at the uh, these exit interviews. You were there personally, uh, not just in spirit, but in body. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what did you see? I mean, how was the experience? Uh, Were there a lot of people there? Was there a lot of buzz 
if you will, around the franchise. Classic. Like I, I, I really think like moment. a franchise's health can be a little bit, or at least the interest from the public can be determined by by the the media attention around some of these things. So, so what did you say? Oh yeah, I mean, people. Nothing, nothing different, honestly, as far as the amount of people that were out there. I saw the familiar faces. You know, Scott Fowler, Rod Boone, Sam Perley. You know, all the people that do cover the Hornets, either regularly or semi-regularly. If you want the real good stuff, you know, they took care of us food-wise. They had Dunkin' Donuts coffee. They also had Chick-fil-A boxes for everyone. So they had the spicy and the original. They had the waffle, potato chip, fries, and a cookie. The cookie's so good as well. So that was all great. They took care of us that way. Um, trying to think of what else. You Buying could get you like little waters in the vending machine. So, you know, they had they had all that taken care of. Mm-hmm. This is like you Trump like in the White House with, with fast food for the, yeah, for the players. Yeah, no doubt. They had all sorts. They have Wendy's, McDonald's. You could order Big Macs or you could order little Dave singles, whatever you wanted. It was all there. No, I will say, too, I did get to interview Steve Clifford for Weston Walker. Got to see his office for the first time. Okay. That was kind of cool. Went over there. Very big. <laughs> the... <laughs> They they treat the NBA coaches okay in the association when they have the job. Well, they're only, yep. you know, they're not a lot of jobs there, so they can. That's right. To- not a ton, and you probably won't have it as long. But when you do have the job, you get a pretty nice office, I will say. And I was trying to look at the dry board that was in there to see if mm-hmm. I could get some notes. You know, oh, how sometimes a little investigation, teams, a little spy yeah, game. I got one hundred percent. See. Exactly. You know, I'm thinking next level. I'm living in the year 2050. So I was going to the dry board trying to figure out something there. Everything was kind of erased. So there was no chance of the social media team outing themselves on who they want in the draft selection where they're, oh, we got Wimby. We got our whole big board right here. You know, NFL teams will sometimes do that. So uh, that was my day at the Spectrum Center for exit interviews. Cool. Cool to go out there and, and see everything. Um, speaking of Steve Clifford. I did talk to him, not only when he was at the podium, but also in that one-on-one interview. And Steve mentioned defensively how he thought LaMelo improved a lot. I'll say this, though, Doug. Looking at my Twitter timeline, I don't know if yours said the same. I don't know if your brain says the same as these people on Twitter. But some people are like, "Uh, I didn't see the big improvements defensively from LaMelo. You know, the numbers would certainly suggest they were worse when LaMelo was on the floor, now LaMelo does so much offensively. It's one of those, It's you've talked about this a lot with different stars who focus so much offensively. They might be a little lackluster defensively, but it's it's not great. The numbers are really bad if you go look at the team numbers. So what did you make of Steve Clifford's comment there? Let's just start with that, with that, uh, with that remark. Well, I took his comments in the, <clears throat> in the exit interview to mean that he saw some improvements like right before his final injury. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he was referencing LaMelo's improvements all year. So maybe yeah, he did maybe reference that's when he went out. You're right. I mean, he did. Yeah, maybe that's where the disconnect that. is because because fans have been watching all year and they see, you know, LaMelo often uh, uh getting blown by and and not being able to contain his man. Although I will say and we've said this many times on the show when LaMelo is uh, switched on to big stars in the league like Jason Tatum. Uh, he has shown the ability to play really good one-on-one defense. Like I've seen, the potential is there, and you you don't necessarily need him to be a lockdown defender. That's not what this team needs. The team needs him to understand what the defensive assignments are for him to execute. All right, we're going to switch here. You know, uh, you're, we're not going to switch here. We're going to, uh, you know, down the screens when this guy's the ball handler. 
you know, executing on defense is what you're really looking for from LaMelo. You're not looking for him to be a def- a defensive stopper like a Dennis Smith Jr. I think all of his defensive mistakes also are exacerbated by the fact that he plays alongside Terry Rozier. You know, he doesn't play alongside a shooting guard that is not scoring as much and that is focused on the defensive end of the floor. Um, but look, I, th- there are obviously some things that LaMelo needs to improve on on that end of the floor. I think Clifford recognizes that, but I think wisely he also recognizes that like critiquing that aspect of the game is not what long-term is going to make this team better. Uh, they need to, as he mentioned, find some external improvements in that department to make this a better team defense. Well, and, and the defense, look, they were very good post-All-Star break. It doesn't mean that's going to be a rotation. They were playing a bunch. You know, you talk about the Baby Bees. We mentioned JT Thor being second on this team in games played. Teo Maladone was actually like, what, top seven, top eight, something like that. And the guy was on a three-month hiatus. It was ridiculous. And he played, you know, like 40 games and he was up there. So the, the injuries really killed this team. So that's not going to be the rotation. Can you find us being good at defense here in Charlotte while also having a normal offense because the offense, it was bad when Dennis Smith Jr. is your lead guard. And then you don't have any other guards outside Teo Maladone when, when he's gone, then it's really going to hurt you. So to me, the other thing that he said um, about LaMelo, the other funny one was LaMelo's competitiveness. And he really pointed that out. He emphasized how competitive LaMelo is, how much he cares, which I actually really, I'm glad Steve said that Doug, I think a lot of people look at LaMelo and they have this, you know, laissez-faire perception that he that he doesn't care. That but but he's hold not... on, can I stop you there? Go ahead. Th- because Go ahead. I think that's a fair perception. And it goes back to something that I said in the first segment that LaMelo, in his communications through traditional media, I think gives off that perception. He doesn't talk a lot about his own competitiveness. He doesn't communicate that. He's very... I just think he's very short and sweet and to the point and doesn't often have a lot of interesting or in-depth things to say in those mediums. And so it often is up to Clifford and teammates to say, no, this guy actually is super competitive. But you can look at a lot of other different stars in this league or prominent players and just their communications after games, uh, which he's not made available a lot after games, or or during these exit interview opportunities, you go, oh, yeah, Jimmy Butler's crazy about winning and and he will he will do anything to win. And so, you know, I put a little bit of that on LaMelo. If LaMelo wants that to be the perception that he's a fierce competitor, you know, he can communicate that. That's fine. I think on the court you don't see that. And so I guess that's where you put a lot more stock. You're right, talking, it's not like you get a whole lot from of anything when LaMelo is talking to the media or in any interview setting. But when he is playing, I think that that was what I celebrated so much, especially his rookie year, the unnecessary hard play where you're down seven, there's 10 seconds left, you're not going to win or you're down 10 or whatever. And then he allows you to be in the game when he steals the ball from some Toronto rapper, then he's up a half court shot on it uh, almost. It's like, all right, well, now we got to play again because Lamelo just made this a four point game or something like that. But, but just to get to Steve Clifford's comment real quickly, what Steve said about his competitiveness is he's one, they've got a few guys. Steve mentioned that there were a few guys to be exact. Exactly. So that he was one of three or a few players on the roster that would text him at 1230 AM and say, 
hey, that's my bad. I made that mistake and that they were thinking about it. I think JT Thor might have been that guy, too. So there, there might be one player, one mystery player that we don't know of. But LaMelo Ball is one of those players. And I, I think if you are the star and you are the one texting Steve Clifford, one, it goes to show you that you have a good relationship, right? Like if LaMelo's texting the head coach saying, hey, I messed up. That was a mistake I made. Wish I wouldn't have done it. Hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll learn from it. We can win next time. Good relationship with the coach and that your star player does really care that he is thinking that late at night. So I thought that was a good comment that shed okay, light Okay, so you on think JT Lamelo's Thor is the second event. player. Would you like to speculate on who the third player is just for funsies? <sighs> I think it's Kelly Oubre. I'll just go ahead and just get it out. I think it's Ke- I think Kelly Oubre is texting, uh, giving him the you up text late at night. And then when Clifford says, yes, I am up. Kelly goes into uh, an apology on on a particular play. Kelly Kelly's a good answer. I wouldn't <laughs> mind Kelly being in that. I don't know. I I, I can tell you game film and chill would be the text. Game film and chill. Game, <laughs> game film, film and chill. And chill. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that because that's bad. I don't want to. I don't want to go where that joke is supposed to take me. What did you make of his comment about Lamelo? It's and you know everything that I said about Lamelo and his interactions with the media. Uh, those are over here on one side. And then on the other side, it's obvious by how he plays on the floor that he wants to win, that he's desperate to win. And in fact, I would say that some of the negatives that we associate with Lamelo's game so far early in his career, you can link back to his competitiveness. I mean, think about the fouling issues that he has. So many of those fouls are cheapies that he gets because he's frustrated because he, you know, turned the ball over or he missed a floater and then he immediately fouls 85 feet away from the basket and those fouls accumulate and he missed, you know, he was, uh, he was disqualified from six games this year because um, he had too many fouls. And then you could tack on a, a couple more games that he had five fouls in which he, his minutes were limited because uh, they were trying to prevent him from fouling out. So yeah, that comp- it's really all about how do you channel that competitiveness? How do you focus that power and into effective play on both ends of the floor. That's going to be LaMelo's challenge this offseason. That's going to be, if Clifford remains the coach, that'll be their collective challenge as a team. That everybody everybody on this team, I don't think that's a problem. Competitiveness is not a problem on this team. Talent is a problem on this team. They don't have enough of that. But competitiveness is not a problem. But how do you focus that? How do you channel that into winning? What's going to be an obstacle to that, I think, is that he has to get healthy this year because he's not only dealing with the remnants of a wrist injury that he got during his rookie campaign, he's also dealing with all of these ankle injuries to both ankles. And LaMelo said in these exit interviews that his focus this summer is on getting healthy. And so I think it's fair to question, okay, if the focus is on getting healthy, how is that going to impact his ability to improve upon or add to his game? Because we know that coming into this season, one of his focuses was on getting fouled more. Yeah, he didn't accomplish that, and I think part of the reason he didn't accomplish that is because he didn't get to play at the beginning of the season to execute on those things that he worked on in the offseason immediately. And so then, you know, his focus coming back is like, all right, let's get this, let's get this team back on the rails to see if we can make a run at this thing. And so you probably throw a lot of that out the window and say, I'm going to play how I know I know how to play, how I've always played, and then you're in and out of the lineup so much. So yeah, I mean, I hope that he's able to add and improve on his game, but. I, I don't know about you, but I'm a little concerned that that's going to happen because he is so he's going to be so focused on let's get these ankles 100. 
Well, let's talk about it coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs> Tease me! <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about the health of LaMelo and what he should be focusing on. There's also an, uh, one other Steve Clifford comment about LaMelo I wanted to get to in the next segment. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's a daily fantasy app where you can pick two to six players, and if they score more or less in their prize picks projection, you win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available and they offer projections on really any sport you watch that includes the nba the nfl the big three including the mlb but also college football men's and women's college basketball wnba just had their draft last night if you're getting ready for the season nascar tennis boxing disc golf euro basketball cricket all right i'm done but there's a lot more they're not done they still have a lot more options entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy you have safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states and even canada so download the prize picks app go to prizepicks.com sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users by the way can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with promo code locked on if you deposit 100 they give you 100 if you deposit 50 prize picks gives you 50 don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 one more segment to go locked on hornets is locked on hornets mitch kupchak will he do the thing that he has not done in season this anything the thing that he has not done <laughs> it is always anything. comes back to do something <laughs> just do do one thing you need to get a stick from outside and become the meme <laughs> in person because that it always comes back to do something do something (laughs) it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Speaking of Mitch Kupchak, by the way, Mitch Kupchak will be speaking today at 11 a.m. I will not be out there this time. It's going to be too close to showtime, so won't be able to be out there and ask questions and get some of his comments in person. But we'll be talking about it tomorrow. Mitch is always probably not because it's so profound what he says, but because of his power over decisions to be made on the organization. He's always the most anticipated, right? Especially with the infrequency in which he speaks to. I think so. Yeah. I mean, well, he's the guy that makes the decisions. You know, Clifford, right. um, even even during his first run, wasn't someone uh, that had a lot of power in the front office over the decision-making in terms of Jordan and Cho, uh, especially the draft decisions. I mean, I, I don't think they that Clifford necessarily signed off on drafting Malik Monk. I think he probably wanted Donovan Mitchell. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of how this team is going to get better, it's probably going to be more uh, or at least get better in terms of jumping from, uh, you know, not even close to the play into a playoff team. That's going to be more on Mitch Kupchak than it is going to be on Steve Clifford. Yeah. And and so LaMelo is going to have to get better, too. Right. I mean, you want him to get better. That was the question you asked is his ability to get better going to be hindered by his injuries, his multiple ankle injuries from this past season. And he told you in his exit day interview that, yeah, his focus, his main focus is going to be on getting healthy. So Doug, I don't, I don't know if it's going to hurt him. And and the reason I say that is because if you go back to his rookie season where he came back last 10 games played, those numbers for LaMelo weren't great. And those were all after his wrist injury, um, they clearly affected his numbers, right? But when he came back the following season, I mean, he had an awesome game against Indiana off, you know, in the debut. He has that amazing second half. 
it didn't mean that he didn't get better, right? He actually increased his three-point shooting percentage after already shooting pretty well, 35% his rookie season. That was something we were asking, is it legitimate? Can he do it over the course of a year? And then at the end of that year, he shot 39% from three, shot 87% from the free throw line. So, and at least the wrist injury, that's still bothering him a little bit, by the way, right now. Mm -hmm was able to shoot really well. So oh, yeah. I, I'm hoping that we can I'm hoping that we can apply that here. At the end of the day, we have zero clue, right? The ankle injury is still a problem. It should be noted that he was in a boot when he walked up to the podium to speak to media. So he is still in that boot. Now they do expect him to be ready by training camp. They do expect him to be ready to go once you ramp up basketball activities. But it's totally a fair question when you have four of these things, <laughs> when you have four of the problems surrounding right. one area of your body, completely fair question. And I, I'm with you. I, at the end of the day, I don't know. I'm just hoping that it doesn't hurt his ability to improve next year. Yeah, and I think the difference between the wrist and the ankle is that on the ankle injury front, there might be a focus this offseason on just improving the strength around the ankle you know, doing some things, changing the body a little bit to deal with some of that. And there may, and we don't know, uh, but, you know, would you be at all surprised if over the next couple of weeks we get some kind of news coming down the pipe that he's had some kind of procedure? I mean, that's what it happened with Steph Curry, uh, that, that there's some other remedy that they explore to get him ready for next season. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen. Um, and they had already done everything they were going to do. But I, I think, you know, th there is going to be some probably some work around his body to uh, make sure that this this is not a long term problem. Um, so it's all super interesting. I think what was also a big story, I guess, or, or at least multi threaded story in these exit interviews were that a lot of players want to stay in Charlotte. You know, P.J. Washington said, my family's here. I love it here. I want to stay. Kelly Oubre has said multiple times he wants to stay in Charlotte. I guess my question, and I've asked this when, when Kelly uh, said he wanted to stay in Charlotte, but I'll ask it again. Does that mean anything that all of these players want to stay in Charlotte? Uh, does it mean anything as far as you signing them or not? It, it has a little less impact. But does it mean something that might speak to everybody else that – want to come to Charlotte and it speaks to a culture here. I mean, yeah, look, it, it goes to show you if the players want to be here, man, then that speaks volumes as to just how attractive this place can be. And so while, while you have the Bill Simmons podcast and the low post and, and look, I get it. They can only shed their opinion on what they've seen from ownership, what they've seen over the last decade, whatever. I'm not arguing that Charlotte is an extremely well-run organization. I am not here to argue that whatsoever. But I am what I am here to argue is when it comes to trying to retain Steve Clifford or whether you should or not, this is certainly a, a piece of evidence for Clifford. The fact that Kelly Oubre says he likes it here. The fact that PJ does. Well, Mello and Steve Clifford clearly have a very good relationship. There are a lot of players that, you know, I mean, there he is singing praises of JT Thor, a young player. The whole he doesn't play rookies thing. It took a while, but once Mark Williams was in the rotation, he played him. Bryce McGowan's a second round pick. Played him even with some guys getting back from injury. So there are a lot to like about Steve Clifford's fingerprints on this team. And I do think just overall the city, it's always been one of those where, I mean, if you don't know, if you are listening from somewhere else in the world or in the country right now, Randy Moss lives here in Charlotte. 
Allen Iverson <laughs> lives here in Charlotte. There are so many different athletes that will come through and then just say, you know what? I like it here. I'm going to set up camp. You know, Josh McCown might be the greatest example who, who played for like 13 different NFL teams and decided Charlotte was the place for him. <laughs> you know, like it, it's people love it when they get here. A lot of people settle down. Although the weather is generally moderate, uh, but mm-hmm. you do get all of the seasons. Uh, North Carolina is a great state. I, I, I love it. We're going to get all the seasons this week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, and, and certainly, I mean, Charlotte is an attractive city. I think it's always been something where like players like to come here because it's a little bit more low key and you're, you're, you're not going to get, uh, you know, unlike New York or LA, you're not going to be hounded by, uh, photogs all the time and, and fans coming up to you all the time and harassing you. So I think they like that aspect of it. And I would say too, the media environment around this team is not what I would classify as aggressive. You know, like those exit interviews uh, were pretty mild. You know, I mean, all the questions were, you know, stuff that they could answer easily. It wasn't, you know, unlike, again, unlike a New York or an L.A. or even a Dallas, you know, the questions aren't super pointed. Uh, maybe that changes as this team, as- if Damn. this team ascends into contention. So is it, how weird is it? How weird is it talking to someone that was there for at least a few of the interviews? <laughs> yeah, well, I, what I'm saying is, you know, step your game up, Walker. I think you can ask yeah. a few more pointed questions, you know. Well, and that's that's fair because I do want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, look, they've been asked about Miles Bridges quite a bit. I mean, that that's the that's the hard question to ask. And so now that here we are at the end of the of the regular season where we've talked about what do you want? They're not they've been asked about it, but they really haven't. Right. You know what What, I'm saying? We we talked about LaMelo's answer about Miles Bridges quite a bit. Well, we did. But I'm saying like in terms of the the questions being asked. Right. I mean, to me, if this were again, if this were a big city. If this were a big story in the NBA, I think part of the reason the whole Bridges thing isn't a big story in the NBA is because it's not happening in a major market, and so people can kind of sweep it under the rug. But if this were to happen in a major market, I think there would be a reporter that would, would you know, when LaMelo got an opportunity at the mic, would say, hey, LaMelo, you know, you were seen dapping it up with Miles Bridges after the game. What, is that, what do you think that, that – what kind of message does that send to the victims of domestic violence? Like those kind of questions aren't being asked in this environment. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. I, but I, I do remember like when he was asked about it earlier, right? Like we, we had this conversation and LaMelo got killed for it because of his conversation. I mean, LaMelo, Terry Rozier was asked about it. This was during media day. This was during media day coming into the season. I mean, who killed him for it? Who killed him for it? Oh, I think Twitter did. I think okay, a lot of but that's did. different. See that that's what that's the whole thing I'm saying. Well, wait, no, I'm saying, but but he was asked the question though. Like, nope, nobody. Well, media is not going to continue to ask a que- if if he gives you an answer. But you didn't even you a get a you didn't even get an article about it. But all all I'm saying is that you know Twitter's one thing, but I'm saying the 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 media environment here is is a little soft, and and that I mean, yeah, it's not. I, I think it's been that way for it's been that way for a long time, and and that's because this team. It has been irrelevant, and I think with it, it comes with the sort of irrelevant territory. Uh, but mm-hmm. also, uh, it's an environment that's been crafted, uh, and so that that is what it is. But I think players, to a certain extent, enjoy that. What I would challenge is, hey, you know, if players, if a certain kind of player loves it here, and, and that player might not be like a superstar level player, because you know. 
I think the level of player that loves it here, I mean, with Kimball Walker aside, who was a multi-time All-Star, the kind of player that loves it here tends to be the kind of player that probably is not going to get playing time you know, in some of these other mm-hmm. major markets where they are contending for championships. So, like, yeah, you do love it here because if you're a certain level of player, you're going to get playing time where you wouldn't elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, and look, I, I'm looking up that that comment that Lamelo had. He said he's not really trying to throw negative energy around. You know, just keep it positive. You know, Charlotte Observer did have an article on it. Just to be clear, Bleacher Report, TMZ, New York Post. So Lamelo had that, and there were Terry Rozier when he was talking about like at the beginning. I, I just for me, if they're going to give us no comment, you know, we did ask Mitch Kupchak. Or they asked Miss Kupchak. I didn't ask, ask him. But when Mitch Kupchak spoke at the deadline, they asked Miss Cup, Mitch Kupchak about Miles Bridges, and Mitch said, "I'll let you figure out how much that affected our season." And we were like, "Okay, clearly you think it affected your season quite a bit." But that was the one thing missing. To your point, though, right? Like as far as aggressive style questions, the Miles Bridges thing was the one that wasn't asked yesterday. Steve Clifford was asked about the potential sale of the team. You know, he says he hopes that you know we can talk a little bit more about that. But Miles, unless unless there's something else that would have been more aggressive outside of Miles, because that that was the one. Like unless I, and I'm not thinking of it outside of the Miles Bridges thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that, just my point is that no, I no, think I'm if asking, you're, no, if you're that a player, was not record- yeah, I that think if you're a player, you would love this kind of media market because it's no, not, no. it's not going to trade, it's not going to really ask. Uh, it's not going to ask deeper level questions. Uh, it's not going to be like extremely critical. And you know, that, that is what it is. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, that wasn't rhetorical by the way I was asking, but that's, it's fine. <laughs> I was asking <laughs> if there was anything else you had in mind, but no, thank That's totally fine. Thanks for making lockdown Hornets your first <laughs> listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game. From across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver, follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.